Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with musician Chris Butler about the theme song for the television show Square Pegs, his new album with Ralph Carney, and a surprising connection to a recent horror film. Chris Butler has worked for years as a musician and producer on such albums as Freedy Johnston's debut, The Trouble Tree. His most recent work, out next week on Smogvale Records, is a collaboration with Tin Huey's Ralph Carney entitled Songs for Unsung Holidays. It's Carney's last recordings before his death in December of 2017. We spoke with Chris Butler by phone about we spoke with Chris Butler by phone about his work with the waitresses, including their iconic theme for the '80s TV show Square Pegs, the new album on Smogvale, and a surprising connection to a recent horror film. Let's get to it. Thanks so Don't much. Don't use the word adorable. Don't use the word adorable. I will do my best. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. I appreciate it. Well, that's great. That's great. So uh, I'm trying to remember. There's a band in Lawrence, Kansas, who I used to really love, and I the name escapes me. They um, they did "Sexy Singer Girl" and. Um, uh, they're of they're friends of my friend uh, Freedy Johnson, who's also from um, the Lawrence, Kansas area, or at least he went to Destiny University, right? Oh, he was yeah. He's he's sort of like a, a a local hero. Yeah, yeah. I produced one of his records. Oh, that's amazing. Back in the day, yeah. It's uh... um. I'm trying to remember the name of this band. Uh, I'm having a senior moment here. Um, uh, the sexy singer girl. I mean, they were really. Oh shoot! It'll come to me. <clears throat> they were really. They were really a great band. Well, I can't wait. Like, and, I, um, I have a feeling as soon as you name them, I'll know who you're exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, it take a second. I might have to do what well, we're talking. I might have to do a fast um, uh, internet search. Um, there was one great song called "Sexy Singer Girl." Who <clears throat> this? This got me. This. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm starting with non sequiturs. 
No, that's what makes this fun. Uh, okay. And, and I mean, like, honestly, like, your, your new album is kind of like a collection of, it's kind of non sequitur in, in and of itself. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much fun. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> fun. We shouldn't, in, in such horrible times as these, we should, we should, we shouldn't have fun, right? Uh, we should be depressed. And, um, yeah, it's time for something nutty, I think. Um, and I guess, uh, Ralph and I came up with something nutty. There's a, there's a, there's a quote, I think, I think somebody played, um, I'll just go ahead, go ahead. I'm having, I'm having memory problems here. So, okay. It's like, so, like, like, I, I, I remember from the press release that it was just like Ralph Carney calling you up and just saying, like, you know, let's do something fun. But, like, how, how, where did the idea for songs about obscure holidays come about? Well, Ralph, Ralph had, Ralph had done, um, uh, a, a song for, um, a Solstice Day. Um, and that was a, that was like in 2014. And I'd forgotten about it. Now I thought that I came up with with the idea to do one song holidays because I um, uh, maybe maybe I'm remembering that wrong too. But um, I, I think it was my idea. Um, I had uh, written a song in the '80s called Christmas Wrapping, mm-hmm. which uh, the song, which it, you know still does does really well. And um, I. Uh, uh, over the years, people have said you should write, you know, uh, Easter song or Thanksgiving. I thought, God, that's dull and dumb. But I, I, I keep seeing, I kept seeing all these, you know, obscure, ridiculous holidays, uh, uh, usually funded by, or funded or sponsored by, uh, you know, t- trade groups, right? Um, like the uh, uh, American Packaging uh, board that did, uh, you know, bubble wrap day or something and, uh, or the processed meat consortium, <laughs> um, doing salami day, you know, and I thought these are ridiculous. This is perfect for Ralph and I. Um, I think I can claim, um, the idea, uh, uh, uh to do that, but, uh, it's also quite possible that I had, I had, uh, falsely remembered um uh solstice day by ralph i i i think i can claim that particular uh, uh uh you know theme coming up with a theme and and once you start with that it's ridiculous because there there are so many holidays we just could have kept going i think um uh we just picked the ones that resonated the most that had the most silly potential and um uh, just kept kept going with it trading tapes back and forth that was how we worked where'd you pull the list of unsung holidays from oh there's there's a couple websites for for that and in fact there's one that's official quote officially sponsored but i'm not sure you know who officially sponsored these um uh, it's just an internet search. It wasn't very hard at all. Um, uh, and, and of course, the, the more ridiculous, the better. As Ralph and I share a, a 
uh, a love for the wacky and the zany, and um, uh, it was pretty pretty easy to to just find out the ones that are the most ridiculous. What I really appreciated was the fact that the song Polka Day also kind of nods to another very specifically like regional holiday with Casimir Pulaski Day. Um, yeah. Which, which <laughs> I, I love that because my, my wife is from that area. So like she, when she came down here, she was like amazed to discover that it's like something that like nobody knows anything about. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's autobiographical. I am from Cleveland and, and it's a major, you know, Poker City. And there was a syndicated TV show called Poker Varieties. It was based in Cleveland. And that's, um, my reference to Paul Wilcox. Paul Wilcox was the, um, was the MC for the show. And, um, you know, it was one of those Saturday afternoon, um, you know, kind of right after Lawrence Welk or before Lawrence Welk, you know, it was pretty much a grandma, grandpa TV show, but, uh, um, Cleveland's a big polka town and, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of rock and roll and plenty of jazz in Cleveland, but there's a huge polka scene. And, uh, I just find it funny to, have the word polka and scene together. Um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's, uh, but it's true. It's true. And there's a polka circuit and there are polka festivals. And I'm not particularly a polka fan, but, uh, I, I had this, I had this keyboard, this, the only keyboard I really used on this, because normally I write on guitar. And, um, a friend of mine gave me this, uh, keyboard called a Baldwin, fun machine and it's basically one of those mall type organs with presets and um rhythm patterns built in and then um um an upper keyboard uh manual for uh melody and of course it had a preset that said polka and <laughs> uh, uh i i i uh was inspired by electronics um to do something because uh it, it was it was perfect kind of oompa um, clattery beat. So that's, that's the keyboard and that's what's based on the, um, that's what ba- the song is based on. Um, it's, it's completely, there's nothing original <laughs> about it. It's a, <laughs> it's a button. <laughs> One of the things I really appreciate about the record is that it reminds me a lot of like what you would have heard on Dr. Nemeno, like when Dr. Nemeno was on the radio still. Yes. Yes. Um, Ralph and I both were in the band Tin Huey, and uh, Tin Huey uh, had a love for um, the Bonzo Dog Duda band, and uh, Tom Lehrer, and uh, Randy Newman and his um, uh, sarcastic best, uh, at his sarcastic best. And, um, you know, uh, it used to be that the Beatles and the Who and even the Rolling Stones had a big dose of silly every now and then. Um, they would, they were not afraid of, or they had a sense of humor, or uh, you could do something goofy. I mean, you can't do anything goofy anymore. Um, so, in a sense, Ralph and I are, are you know, bucking the uh, uh, trends here. And um, uh, just, uh, uh, just trying to have some 
fun because everything else we do is so damn serious. Uh, you know, Ralph, Ralph came, came across as a kind of living cartoon character, but he was a real, honest-to-God, serious, serious jazz musician. And um, um, really, really had incredible chops, but... It, it also seemed like everything that came out of his horn was was a parody of something else. Um, uh, uh, he, he could do straight music, but I don't think he liked it as as much as um, um, there had to be a huge element of fun in anything Ralph does. I, I'm much more dour and and dark. And uh, if, if if Ralph represents the Bonzo dog uh, end of the spectrum, I'm more the sourpuss Randy Newman, Tom Lehrer type. <laughs> well, end of the end of the spectrum. Well, it seems like that makes this like very much like a very perfect sort of elegy for Ralph and his music, like going going out not on a down note, but going out on a fun and exciting record. I would, I would, I would hope so. I would hope so. You know, we 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 finished it, and and then he passed away, and. I thought, boy, this is, you know, I hope this is a, well, I don't want to use the word tribute, um, but I, I hope this, this expresses, uh, a part of him that, um, uh, he didn't, he didn't get to do a whole lot unless it was his own stuff. People would hire him as a sound man. And I think it was only Tom Waits who, who really, really, um, let him be himself and, and encouraged it. But his other gigs were, you know, he was, he would wind up, you know, wearing a straw hat and playing Dixieland band music, which he loved, which he loved. But that was a, that was more of a, of a he's a working musician, so that was a paying gig. Um, and he was really great in the 1920s and 1930s type music. Um, he's a big Fletcher Henderson fan, and, um, you know, there's a, there's a cartoon aspect to that. But but the real wacky, wacky stuff. Um, he didn't get a chance to do much. Um, he did in Tin Huey, which 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 uh, uh, you know I, I I know he enjoyed. I mean he, he's a he was a he was quite a character. Our band was fried, toasted. Baked and buttered. A three-week string of gigs with no nights off. Washington, D.C. was the last show. Then sleep. Home cooking. Clean underwear. More sleep. I'm getting ready to check out of the Sans Cachet Inn on Z Street, Southwest in D.C. It's about 10 a.m., 1982. I don't remember the date, Though the last day of every tour is always Shatterday. When I get this unexpected phone call. Hello? It's Ann Beats, a writer from... Live from New York, it's Saturday night! She's at Judy Belushi's house. Judy being John's newly widowed wife. They've picked up on that lyric in the waitress's song, No Guilt, that goes... I know someone who really met Belushi. Even though no one in the band really had. Though I did literally bump into Bill Murray once outside 30 Rock. 
Knocked him silly, actually, sprawling on an icy sidewalk. I I bet your insurance doesn't cover this. And for once in my life, was quick-witted enough to say, Suma Sorrow says hello. He looked at me real funny. Huh? He, of course, had no way of knowing that Sue had joked once that if I ever was in New York and if I ever ran into Bill Murray, dot, dot, dot. To sort of pivot to, like, the other topic we're, we're going to discuss, I was, I listened to both parts of your, your story about <laughs> square pegs. What brought, mm-hmm. what, what made you, like, make, like, that audio like production like it's 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 a radio play it's a radio play yeah um well i i i'm a lyricist and and i tend to be very verbose and more and more over time i i i you know words are spilling out of the song and i desperately need an editor which i would resist of course um i i, I just i i do like to do radio production i do like to do uh, long form stuff and, and short stories. And, um, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a story that I've, I've always wanted to tell. And I, um, I'm kind of writing an autobiography, but doing it by audio. I mean, I have plenty of friends who've written books, but audio is my medium, right? Um, songwriter, recorder, engineer, whatever. And so, I thought I would do my stories um, as radio plays, and um, there's a whole bunch of them up on my website. And I've actually, in behind schedule, I, I, I'd like to do a whole lot more. Um, just finding the time, but uh, I thought it would play better as a. I tried. I, I tried to. Since it was such a, a weird almost surreal cartoon experience. I thought if I used sound effects and um, made it like a um, car- an audio cartoon, uh, it would tell the story better and uh, and uh, also kind of diffuse my bitterness <laughs> about, about the whole experience, which I'm sure comes across, but it comes across as, as, as I think it comes across as "Can you believe this shit?" It comes more across than it, more than it. it com- sorry, go ahead. Oh no, it comes across as very bemused, like looking at it through through the the, the filter, like the lens of time. <laughs> well, thank thank God for time then, because <laughs> it was certainly no fucking fun. So, like, what exactly was the timeline from like when you got that first call? to like when you wrapped filming on set, like, like how many days was that? It seems like it's just it, like, it was only a couple. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I, I tried to express that in, in, in the story, uh, almost in real time. Yeah. It was absolutely, um, we had finished our show and we we're in Washington DC I think it was Sunday. I, I, I forget. And bang, you know, it, it just happened right away. And we had no, you know, I'm everything in there is true to the best of my knowledge. And, um, uh, uh, you know, we had no sleep, no food. Uh, this all fa- happened ridiculously fast. Um, super, super high pressure. And, you know, you blink and it's over. Um, uh, uh, I thought it was unique when 
when I had more TV experience and film experience, it turns out to be that's the way TV and film <laughs> often often is. It's it's uh, everything's last moment and needed yesterday, and and uh, we don't have the budget for this and that. We got to do it this way quick, and you know you can't you can't uh, 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 you don't have the luxury of time. Um, Different than than being, you know, a home engineer, like this 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 um, songs for unsung holiday record took a couple years because we were able to work at uh, um, at our uh, uh, at our I don't want to say leisure, but we had the the, the luxury of not having a, a studio clock ticking away the dollars, and um, we both had home studios, so. We, it was an economy choice project. You know, we could linger a little bit on stuff. Um, although Ralph doesn't like to work that way either. Ralph's not a rehearsal kind of guy. Ralph is a first thought, best thought, you know, plunk it down, move on kind of guy. I, I tend to sweat uh, sweat the details a little more than Ralph. But I, I like the fact that uh, that, that he was uh, good um, for me. Um, saying, you know, get on with it, you know, uh, uh, don't, don't belabor, you know, don't listen to a snare drum for, for 10 hours <laughs> trying to find the perfect EQ, just get on with it. So, uh, uh, but, uh, the square page thing was absolutely a million miles an hour and, uh, was compressed over two or three days. Yes. So looking back on it like in sort of people's response and um nostalgia for the show does it give you some joy at least to know that like people also still associate you with you know something that they enjoyed so much when they were growing up oh yeah yeah but isn't that isn't that that's a huge part of the irony of the whole thing is 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 yeah, yeah. People still relate to the characters, and they are of a time. And uh, Anne Beat still talks about it, and when she gives lectures on 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 humor, um, uh, uh, it it did have an impact. And it is a lot of people's favorite favorite show um, uh, when when they were when they were you know growing up in the eighties. It it is it is it, it adds to the amusement, right? Uh, and it, it is ironic because my my insider experience uh, of it um, uh, I I have to overlook that exactly as you say. Um, it does give give a it's it is a good feeling to to have been part of something that that affected people's lives yeah that's that that's cool i know what boys like i know what guys want i know what boys like i got what boys like i know what boys like i know what guys want i see them looking I make them want me, I like to tease them, they want to touch me, I never let them, I know what boys like, I know what guys want, I know
know what boys like, boys like, boys like me. Did, have you, are there any, um, like, television or film experiences that came after that you can look at as being positive? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, we, we did, as, as a waitress's band, we did a, we did a bunch of TV stuff. We, we were on um, some soap opera, Guiding Light or whatever, which was a hoot. And uh, we did Solid Gold. And uh, two years ago, uh, a movie was shot in my house in Akron and um that was a, a real positive experience uh, uh the film was called My Friend Dahmer which is about that shot in your house I loved a, that movie yeah yeah that was shot in my house oh man that's fantastic no I really enjoyed that film that was yeah yep yeah. yeah the interiors are shot in my well I live in Jeffrey Dahmer's childhood home oh <laughs> okay yeah surprise that's that's an interesting thing. I didn't know, like, I knew that it was shot, like, in and around that area. I didn't know it was actually shot in his home, which is yours. That's, that's... Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. They they took it over for all the month of August and uh, um, dragged everything out of here and set set up all the rooms to um, be uh, kind of 1970s um, uh, period period piece. Um yeah, they shot the they shot the interiors here. It wasn't a set. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that that was a positive experience. I've talked to a couple other people who worked on yep. that film, and they all seem to like have like everyone has a very positive uh, relationship to it, which is good considering the subject matter. Yeah, which is pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> were you familiar like before they started filming? Like, were you familiar with the the Durf? graphic novel about the whole thing oh yeah he's a pal of mine he um he was a tim huey fan and uh did posters for t huey and um very much a part of the akron akron scene um I, i'm not a I, i'm not a comic book guy but um uh other than the old stuff like um the yellow kid and um a crazy cat and uh tintin um, but, uh, yeah, Durf's the pal, and of, of, of course there was connection through him with the house and all this, and in fact, he hadn't been back here until I bought the house and invited him over. He was kind of, uh, kind of, um, um, anxious about coming back, cause, uh, you know, that was a, that was a <laughs> pretty serious, uh, uh, time in his life, and, uh, um, he had avoided coming back to the house. Well, I guess he didn't know anybody who lived here, but uh, he's been back a number of times now and even gave a um, a tour for a group of people who had won, um, uh, a, who had won a tour and a barbecue uh, for a fundraiser for a local college station. So um, he's been back and... Um, uh, he's a real good guy. He also did the cover, you know, for um, for a couple of Ralph projects, a couple of Tin Huey projects, and of course, songs for Unsung Holidays. That's a Durf cover. I was wondering. I did not know, like, because I don't, I don't have the actual physical copy, so I don't like have liner notes. But I was. It's been bugging me, like, why it looked so familiar, and that would explain a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a Durf. 
surf, uh, surf cover. So <laughs> what are you working on now? Oh, okay. Duh. My, my brain is kicking in. Um, the, the, the Kansas fan was the embarrassment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. They're, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're famous. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that kind of just, uh, kicked in. Those brain cells are a little tired, but they're working. Um, what am I working on now? Uh, well, today I'm practicing bass because I'm playing bass this weekend with, uh, uh, two friends who are, who do, uh, a duo, uh, of kind of blues-based R&B, R&B type songs that they've written. And we're playing two shows. Um, I have my own, uh, CD that was kind of soft released in the spring, um, called Get It Together, or Got It Together, with Together Misspelled. <laughs> So there's a joke in that. Um, I can get you a copy if you want it. Um, I am um, going to be going to Los Angeles in uh, early September because I wrote lyrics to a Raymond Scott um, instrumental. I don't know if you know who Raymond yes. Scott was. Yes, Powerhouse. Um, and uh, there's a... Um, a festival of Raymond Scott's music and inventions in LA called Scott Works. And they're going to be premiering and debuting the song, which is wonderful. Um, it's a ballad. Uh, I don't normally do love songs and ballads that I, that's kind of, that territory is better served by other people. Um, I'm more of, uh, of the uh, gripes and complaints <laughs> department, <laughs> and with with the exception of the unsung holiday stuff, um, which which uh, well, there's some dark stuff on there too, I guess. But uh, I, I'm 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 pretty busy, so life is good. Wonderful. Well, sir, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been so much fun. Oh, uh, thank you. And if you have any follow ups, uh, feel free to ask. Will do. Uh, thank you again, and enjoy the rest of your day. Butler for speaking with me. You can find him online at futurefossilmusic.com. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromandinspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at fromandinspiredpod. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and Stitcher as well. Please hit up the website and click on the Give Us Money button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. 
We'll be back in two weeks talking the film world of Credence Clearwater Revival with the band's drummer, Doug Clifford. Until then, thanks for listening.